Fred, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me sure. this morning. Thanks for inviting me. Cool, cool. Um, let's start with introductions. Sure. I'm uh, Fred Beecher. I'm the Director of User Experience and Design at The Nerdery. I have been involved in the user experience world since 1998. Um, I think my career is now legally able to vote, which is a little bit disturbing. But uh, it's for, the, for most of that career, I've been a, a consultant um, or working in an agency setting. And recently, in uh, this past summer, is when I uh, became the director of the team at the Nerdery. So um, I have a long history of design under my belt, uh, and I'm fairly new to leadership. So uh, uh, I have all sorts of interesting uh, thoughts and things that I'm learning about leadership. So that could be uh, an interesting element of conversation as well. Cool. Um, okay. Well, before you got to where you are today, when you in college, like, what did you study in college? So I went to school for biomedical engineering. Okay. That lasted about one semester. I tried my hardest, but I am just not an engineer. I studied and studied and studied and studied, but I couldn't get better than a C in calculus. Um, I did a really idiotic thing, and I tried to take organic chem as a freshman. Not recommended. <laughs> um, and I ended up having to withdraw from that class because it was so bad. Um, but uh, I did the logical thing after that experience and switched to creative writing. Um, so, I mean, that is a natural transition there from biomedical engineering to creative writing. <laughs> um, and then I was at uh, the University of Southern California at the time, and I decided then that I didn't need to spend all that time or all that money, rather, learning about poetry. So uh, I grew up in, in Wisconsin, so we have the reciprocity thing with our, our uh, university systems. And uh, I learned about technical writing. And there was a uh, scientific and technical communication program here at the U. Um, which was a lot less than the University of Southern California. <laughs> so I ended up coming up here, uh, getting really into that. And through that, I discovered uh, usability testing. And through usability testing, I discovered uh, 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 user interface design. We weren't really saying user experience design in those days. But it was uh, once I was aware of this idea of of writing about technology for specific audiences, for specific people, that sort of, that's what really kicked off the light bulb in my head. Uh, but the actual story of where I decided that I was going to be a UX designer and not a technical writer was um, when I was working with uh, a synthesizer called the Kurzweil K2000, um, which was a very unique kind of, of machine. Uh, because most synthesizers, when you're changing a parameter and a sound, um, it's 0 to 127. Those are your values. And the reason that those are the values are because most uh, synthesizers um, have, you know, limited bit processors. Like that, I think, is 7-bit or 8-bit, something like that. Um, and that those are the values that you have. But when I was working with something around pitch with this particular sound, I noticed that it was in sense which is actually a unit of frequency, which someone like a musician would understand. And it, that light bulb went off even brighter this time mm -hmm. where it was like, oh, someone took the time to think about who is going to be using this device and made, made it harder to engineer in order to make it better to use. And it was uh. like, whoa, <laughs> 
because the kinds of things that people can make with that synthesizer were just amazing. And I think part of it was because of how it was, how it was designed and how you could actually use real units, not some artificial units that came about uh, as a result of the technology. The human understanding was put on top of the technology and the technology was forced to adapt rather than the human, which was just a, 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 a light bulb moment for me. Several light bulbs, in fact. Nice. <laughs> so, so then do you still like, still love engineering as a whole? Like was, was the technical aspect of it still something that really excited you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've always been good at technology. I, I was in computer club, uh, in <laughs> high school and I can program in turbo Pascal if anyone remembers what that is. Um, but I was just, I was never good enough at it to be able to, um, to be able to really do that for my career. No one would pay me, for example, to code in Turbo Pascal. No one wants that. Um, but one of the things that I am good at is writing. And through my understanding of technology and my ability to communicate, that's sort of where I went to technical writing. And in technical writing is when I discovered this concept of, uh, of communicating to specific audiences. Because you and I, for example, are going to have a completely different context than uh, our parents, for example. So if I was writing something for you and I, I would write it differently than I would write it for my mom and dad. Mm. So what, so specifically, what are the elements that make a good technical written, technically written document? Like what, it, what? Well, I, no, I haven't studied technical writing in years. Mm -hmm. So, but in general, um, you're going to reference things that people already understand. So you and I understand the internet. We understand how computers work, how mobile devices work, things like that. So it could be, and we're also on those devices all day long. So we need quick, simple, bite-sized pieces of information that will get us where we're going. If we get a long um, scrolling text narrative of what to do, that's going to be annoying and we're going to be searching through the, for the important parts. Mm -hmm. um, but for someone uh, like my parents, um, uh, they like or one of the things I've actually observed in usability testing is that uh, people who are less familiar with computers tend to read the entire page. So they like to read the whole thing and then they, then they do stuff. So what I would first do is I would just do some research to figure out how people read uh, or how that particular target audience reads and then write accordingly. So do I need to be long form or do I need to be short bullet points? Um, how many images do I need to include? Do those need to be photographs or diagrams? All sorts of different gotcha. decisions to make. Cool. So, all right. Skipping themes here. <laughs> on a typical day, like what, what do you do on a, on a typical day? Well, uh, one of the interesting things that I have learned about um, leading a design team is that even though it's a leadership position, it is definitely a middle management position because I have my team who I am an advocate for and who uh, uh, my, uh, the main component of my job is, is to say yes to their good ideas. But when you have a design team of 34 people, there's a lot of good ideas. And so it, uh, trying to figure out how to 
manage all of that is is interesting because I also have people above me who are talking about uh, the health of the company and the things that we need to do with the company. And so uh, what I'm finding is that that my role is um, very similar to to uh, the my role as a designer because as a designer I was trying to unify business goals and user goals. Now as a design leader, it's my job to uh, align team goals and company goals, which is a really interesting challenge. Interesting. So in terms of, of day-to-day, I'm usually working sort of one of those two angles, uh, usually both during the day, because um, uh, I will be uh, working with some of the uh, the individual team leaders in the in the UX team or the the UX managers who sort of oversee uh, the HR aspects and the and, and a lot of the cultural aspects of our design team, okay. um, and I work with them to make sure that I know what's going on with all the people on the team and figuring figuring out if there's anything that I can you know if there's anything that's getting in people's way that I can push push out of their way mm-hmm. um, or seeing if there's opportunities for this person over here with this really cool skill to help out with this other project or this other sales opportunity, um, things like that. Um, on the on the other side, I'm usually um, collaborating with some of the other directors on figuring out um, strategies or tactics to, um, uh, to address specific business issues or to take advantage of specific opportunities. So realistically, yeah, that is, it's a lot of emails and meetings and uh, random conversations in the lunchroom. Um, but it is, it is very, very rewarding when I can see progress being made. You know, in an organization that, that's, that's large, one of the things I'm learning is that forward motion should be counted as success because it takes a long time to really implement ideas. But if you have a plan and you communicate effectively along the way, eventually that plan will take shape. But if you're, if, you know, one of the things that I expected when I started with this was that I would be able to say a thing and it would happen. That's not Uh, how it works. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what, what do the, how does that manifest itself on a daily basis? Is it like a, a daily stand up with your team and then, you know, you go off to remove obstacles throughout the rest of the day? In order to answer this question, I need to talk to you a little bit about the structure of our teams. Okay. So um, at the Nerdery, we've got 34 UX designers and uh, those designers are organized into six small teams. Um, and one of those teams is in Chicago. And then we have uh, two individual designers in uh uh, Phoenix and in Kansas City, um, but the the small teams each are led by a team lead, um, and then we have UX manager and the, the the team leads help the with the mentorship and the sort of uh, the project resourcing type things for the people on their team, and then we have two UX managers and they handle more of the HR aspects. Okay, um, so you wouldn't go to your team lead with. Uh, you know, a question about, you know, your career goals. Uh, I mean, actually you would, that's not true. (laughs) Um, But like if, if you needed to know something about your paycheck or something, Mm -hmm. you would go to the UX manager for that. Um, And so I work a lot with the UX managers. Um, uh, They are like, I literally could not do this job without them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I, uh, I spend time with, uh, I try to spend time with 
um, each team every week, but um, we recently sort of reconfigured our structure. So that has, um, that has slipped away a little bit, but I do at least meet once a week with all the team leads. We split up the time where I have stuff to tell them and get, and I get their reaction and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then we spend some time there talking about sales as well. Um, and then, um, I, I try to have one-on-ones with the team leads, um, at least once a month and things like that. So there, uh, there's a lot of connection with the team and they're also, uh, every other week or every week on Thursday, we have an all team standup, mm-hmm. um, Every other week, it's someone communicating something interesting. And then every other week, it's me. Gotcha. <laughs> and so that's where I'll, where I'll share information with the whole team. We also have email lists uh, uh, and Slack channels and mm-hmm. Google Hangouts, all of the things. The whole nine yards. Yep. Lots of communication. So what was that transition like into a leadership role? Um, wasn't pretty. Wasn't pretty? <laughs> <laughs> So I, I've actually actually wrote a, an article about uh, this on Boxes and Arrows a while ago uh, about how I've actually actively avoided leadership and management my, most of my career. Um, but through the apprenticeship program at the nerdery, one of the things I, I learned is that I actually really liked and got a lot of, of, uh, of value uh, and, and inspiration out of uh, empowering and enabling other people's dreams and to see uh, it, th- that just felt so satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, so that made me think more and more about leadership. Like maybe, maybe I would be good at that, or at least I'm interested in it. I don't know if I'd be good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the opportunity came up to lead the the design team at the nerdery and um, one of the things that's, that's happening there is that we're moving to become uh, a more design-led organization. And with some of the language that I was hearing from the leaders, I'm like, I think now is the time. And so I went out for it, and it was a long process. And then eventually I got it. Now, when I, when I got that position, I was also halfway through uh, a cohort of apprentices. I was full-time on a very complex medical project. And <laughs> I had this new job, which was completely unlike anything else I'd ever done before. Wow. So that was, that was messy. <laughs> But you're 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 here. So you I survived I, it. Yeah, I feel like I feel like what happened was I I was spinning all sorts of plates and it was ugly and it looked like everything was going to fall. Now I feel like I'm spinning all the plates. It's not super pretty, mm-hmm. but disaster doesn't loom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's been a really really amazing experience. Interesting. You you, you brought up the the point of enabling people's dreams. It's mm-hmm. kind of one of the things that at work, Coco. Uh, we talk about a lot, like, you know, everything that, that we makes do sense. is aligned around um, empowering others. So it's kind of, mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Um, okay. Down to what we're going to be unpacking. Right? Okay. Um, so when you said you were a consultant first mm-hmm. and then you did, you know, moving to UX, uh, one of the things that I've been hearing from you know, user experience leaders is, it's it's a very the term UX means so much 
it, it's such a loaded term, um, and it's it's kind of a catch-all. Is that is that would you would you say that or no? Keep talking. So, <laughs> okay. So when when I hear UX, the first thing that pops into my head are wireframes, right? But when we when I talk with some other folks, it's um, user journey mapping, it's uh, user research, it's um, you know working you know working with like cross functional teams to determine you know what color the button should be like you know it, it runs the gamut around you know how how the solution is delivered mm-hmm. um so i guess you know how would you define it well um you have to look at, at two different things there's user experience and then there's user experience design so what i think of user experience as being as uh, the sort of emotional reaction that a person has to interacting with some sort of interactive digital system, right? Because user implies, well, one of two things, um, but the one that we're thinking of is someone who's actually using technology. Um, and so, so when you have a person and technology, you have users and that user will always have an experience, no matter whether you have a user experience designer paying attention to it or, you know, uh, whatever the engineer has come up with or, or the, the UI elements that come up with the, uh, you know, with whatever um, uh, uh, platform, thank you. <laughs> Sorry about the vocab- vocabulary failure. Um, uh, and, it, and it's just, it is what it is, mm-hmm. right? So, so what I do as a user experience designer is I try to first work with my clients because making an interactive thing is not cheap. So mm-hmm. they're about to pile to give us giant piles of money to do a thing for us mm-hmm. or for them. So I need to understand what they expect to get out of this thing that they want us to make for them. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I don't understand that, I can't ever be working towards success. The next thing I need to understand is about the people who are going to be purchasing, using, interacting with, et cetera, this particular system that we'll be, that we'll be building. Because ultimately what user experience design is, is it's designing for people, for specific people, not just people in general. Um, so what I would need to do is do research to, to find out the things that are interesting about these people. What are their behaviors? What sort of goals do they have? What really motivates them? The really uh, juicy, squishy, messy, qualitative type stuff. Um, a lot of the stuff that I need to know as a, de- as a UX designer, you can't get from a survey mm-hmm. um, or you can't get from, you know, like looking at stats. Mm-hmm. Um, numbers are numbers. What I need is stories. I also need numbers, but that's a that's a different thing. Um, and so I take that and I try to craft a solution that will work, that will help the users achieve their goals, so that the business can achieve theirs. So user experience design is is very much a verb. And some of the stuff that you indicated, like um, wireframes, I mean, those are just artifacts. Mm-hmm. Um, those are just part of, of the design process. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's a really critical thing to understand too, is that it is a process. It's a verb. It's, it's not a thing. It's a way of going about making interactive stuff, mm-hmm. uh, with, with people at the center. Um, 
And I think uh, that's probably, uh, if I, I could keep talking on that, but I think I'm probably just going to make it confusing. <laughs> Interesting. So it's funny how you, you, you framed that up because uh, Greg Howell, who was on a previous recording um, conversation, um, reframed the question as how do you define the, as a user, UX person, what you're really interested in is the user's apostrophe S experience. So he reframed it. Um, say like you're, you're at the end of the day, you're solving for a person. That person can be your client. That person can be an end user of your client, but you're always all the tools and things that you do in UX is in service of that user, I guess would be. Here's the dirty secret of UX design is that the reason that we want to pay attention to people uh-huh. is because that will make the clients money. Okay. Because now, I mean, it's good to, to pay attention to people. I mean, the, I, I love the work that, that uh-huh. I do because it makes the world a better place. Um, but it's, a, it's actually a win-win. It's not uh-huh. an either or. By doing stuff for people, uh-huh. I make my clients richer. Yeah, no. <clears throat> done and done. We, 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 did, we definitely did not lose sight of the ultimate end goal, which okay. is it's, it's a business. At the end of the day, it's a business. Yes. Um, so I guess, so. okay, so it's that the, the ideal user experience designer then sounds like a unicorn. Like they can do research, they can do wireframes, they, so, they can think outside the box. Like what is an ideal user experience person look like so th- this is going to the the uh, generalist versus specialist debate uh-huh. um, <clears throat> which happens a lot in the ux world and uh the answer and it's the pat ux answer is it depends what sort of organization are you so an organization like target for example very very big um lots and lots of stuff to do uh and best buy is like this as well so they hire people who focus on very specific areas so they would hire specifically information architects specifically uh interaction designers specifically user researchers specifically usability testers um and and there's enough work of that type of work to keep all of those people busy all the time um, but in an agency setting like the nerdery, we, you know, the stuff that we work on is, it can be completely different from one project to the next. So for us having, uh, a lot of generalists is better. Now, um, I us- I typically think of, uh, user experience as, uh, a series of like roughly five things. So there's the strategic and business aspect of it. There's the aspect around users, there's content. Uh, there's design and sort of multiple different kinds of design within there. And then there's evaluation and evaluation is by that. I primarily mean usability testing, uh, but there's different ways you can evaluate stuff as well. And so what I look for in, in a designer is someone who is competent in all of these ways, uh, in all of these things, but maybe they excel in one or two of these things. Like, for example, myself, my strengths are probably in um, interaction, design, testing, research, and strategy. Um, I started uh, uh, early on in my career, I did a lot of inf- information architecture because that's what user experience design was in mm-hmm. the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, but 
as time has gone on, my focus has, has moved a little bit away from that and, and it, towards these other things. Um, so, you know, when I, when I put a, a person on a project, I know that they're going to be able to do all the things. But for example, if content is really important is, is, I mean, content is always important, but if it's particularly important, um, then I'm going to want to have our content strategist on that. So <clears throat> while primarily we hire uh, generalists, we do have people who who do specialize, but we have relatively few of them. So we have one content strategist right now, uh, and we do have a couple of people who focus specifically on visual design, or um, as has confusingly been called recently, user interface design. Uh, we focus on the aesthetic component of of the experience rather than on the uh, uh, the strategic or um, uh, architectural component. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, but I, I would say that to be a good user experience designer, um, even if you're just going to be, let's say just a straight up interaction designer, you do have to have that, the ability to understand other people and to put yourself in other people's shoes. Even if other people are doing the research, you have to be able to make sense of that research and translate that into design decisions. So, um, and, and and this is one of the reasons why I think UX is kind of a difficult field to get into because it requires many disparate skills. Um, you need to have some design skill. You need to have uh, some fundamental understanding of psychology. You need to have a little bit of understanding of, uh, of business and business strategy. And, and, uh, you have to be a good communicator and you have to be able to understand technology well enough to be able to communicate effectively with, uh, with developers. So th- these are a lot of weird skills. Or, I mean, the skills aren't weird, but when you put them together, it's kind of a weird combination. Yeah. So it's, it's rare to find people who have those skills innately. Got it. Yeah. I think that's, that's where my struggle comes from with like defining mm-hmm. what my personal, you know, what is a UX designer? When someone says to me they're a UX designer, it sounds to me like they're saying I'm a consultant. Like, you know, what, how do you define that? Um, yeah. I mean, you can definitely do it in a cons- consultative capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I've done most of my career. Um, but I, I think the, the practice of user experience design is different in house. And, you know, that's, this is one of the areas where I have a little bit of professional jealousy is on the people is of the people who work long-term on products um, who is usually what I'm involved in is the upfront work of helping bring the product to life. Mm-hmm. Um, I typically am not involved in evolving the product over time. Now that said, the work at the nerdery is changing where we're doing more of that product work and it's going for, for longer. It's not just, you know, getting the MVP out the door, it's getting the MVP out the door and then doing several iterations after that. And sort of essentially consulting ourselves out of a job Mm -hmm. to help our clients set up good software design and development process. Um, so that's really exciting, (laughs) but, uh, you know, myself, I haven't had a lot of that experience. And I think that that would be really interesting because you're, you are, approaching it in a much different way because you're learning more and more very specific behavioral contextual stuff about your users and you're seeing their behavior specifically with your system evolve over time. So, and it's, it's very rhythmic. 
Um, so, uh, you know, that's one of, that's one of the things that's, that's a little bit different in one of the areas where, um, maybe someday I'll get a little bit of experience, but for right now I am, I've got my hands full. <laughs> so, okay. So two part question. Okay. When at the end of, you know, the UX process, like mm -hmm. what's the deliverable, like what's the physical thing that gets handed to a client or where they go, okay, this is something that I'm going to be paying for well and the second the, part of that the second part of that question is where what does what role does data play in coming up with the solution okay that's probably a whole podcast in itself <laughs> but I'll, I'll try to 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 keep that one short but ultimately the deliver the actual deliverable of a user experience design process is very ephemeral uh, because it's it is that It is a user experience, which is a, an emotional reaction within a person. Um, now, this is where I'm probably being a little bit pedantic because uh, one of the things that, that is important to me is this difference between uh, deliverable and artifact. Uh, because, you know, as you know yourself, design is messy mm -hmm. and, and it's a process. So it's going to be uh, different things are going to be made and created and unmade and thrown away and changed and edited as you go through the process. And so really uh, things like wireframes or even prototypes ultimately um, are just in service of creating this emotional reaction down the line. Now, um, earlier when we were talking, you were talking about what does good handoff to developers look like? A good handoff to developers looks like no handoff at all. Handoff, uh, throwing things over the wall is a good way to do design poorly and software development poorly. Gotcha. Um, what we do at the nerdery, because we have such a huge development staff, is we like to get uh, developers involved right away in the, in the, um, in the discovery phase even. Uh, for example, on the last project that I worked on, um, it was a very, very detailed uh, scientific visualization tool that we were making. Um, and I, the, the lead developer who is going to be on that project, uh, actually participated in all of the direct user research with me. Uh, and he got, and, and all the sketching sessions and all of that. And he got so much out of that. And he was able to use that experience to translate to the other people, uh, who were involved in the development process as well. Um, so really, honestly, the earlier that a developer can be involved, the better. Um, some of the things that we're doing right now at the nerdery include where, uh, where the, the UX designers aren't actually making any documentation because documentation is really just a stand in for communication. So, uh, we've been, uh, working on projects where we are doing the design process on whiteboards with developers and, and developers, um, you know, We don't, to us, developers aren't people who we tell what to do. That's not it at all because they're very creative, just in a very different way than we are, which is good. Different creativity is good. So uh, we'll sketch together and come up with different stuff. Um, and then at some point we'll go, okay, is this, is this done enough? Yeah, this is done enough. And then the developer will actually build the quote unquote wireframe in HTML. And so... Uh, that actually is a, is a, uh, allows us to jumpstart the, de the development process because we don't have this documentation as an intermediate. 
we have designers and developers actually talking. <laughs> Got it. Um, so user stories, where, mm -hmm. where, where does that fit within the process? Oh, okay. So, um, user stories are very, a very specific, um, way of sort of managing agile software development. Um, and I've seen user stories go wrong in a lot of ways. When I think of a user story, what a user story is, is a story about an actual user, but that's not, that's not what a quote unquote user story is in the context of agile development. Uh, it's, it's as a, marketing manager, I want to generate more leads, you know, but honestly, I, f I find that to be insufficient to, uh, communicate the richness of behavior and goal and motivation that, that people have. Um, it's, it's probably better than, uh, you know, a 500 line requirements document. But, um, what I like to do is to, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier about product, but that, that ongoing product work, you get to know your users really, really well. And so you get to understand the things that they value and what's meaningful to them. And through that, you can make decisions about functionality that should be going into your system. Because, oh yeah, Mary would find this really valuable because she'd use this to, to communicate more effectively with her husband about, uh, the, about you know, the different places that their kids need to be during the week. You know, something like that that's really rich and juicy and you can make decisions on it. And then after that, you can maybe break it down into uh, an actual user story or a, a, an agile user story that articulates specific functionality and the rationale for that functionality. So you can communicate effectively to developers about what the thing needs to do mm -hmm. and communicate a little bit about why. But, um, you know... If, if developers are involved in some of that research process and in the testing process as well, then you have to do relatively little communication because, or, or, or documentation, I should say, because you're already doing a lot of communication. Got you. That, that totally makes sense. Um, thank you for like breaking that, breaking that down <laughs> like that. Thank you for asking me questions that allow me to be uh, extraordinarily pedantic. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> switching gears as we wrap up here, um, personal tools, both personal and professional tools that you use kind of on a daily basis that make sure. you more <clears throat> efficient. Uh, I would probably die without Google Docs. So if you listening are involved in the creation of Google Docs, thank you so much. Um, because I mean, I remember the days which weren't that long ago where you had to, you know, email spreadsheets back and forth. And as a, as a design leader, let me tell you, that involves a lot of spreadsheets. Um, so just being able to work with people on the same document is so nice. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, a lot of the, the tools that I use aren't, aren't super interesting. Maybe Slack is pretty interesting because um, we, do, we do a lot of communication through that and Google Hangouts and, and things like that. Um, the one thing that I don't like about Slack is its Giphy integration. I don't know if you've tried to do that, but you like, you'll do slash Giphy and you'll say something and it will come up with some completely random image that has <laughs> nothing to do with whatever it was you were thinking it would have something to do with. So, which is a little bit sad because we, 
largely communicate in animated GIFs on, in the, uh, oh, the, the awesome. UX team. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> it, we've gotten our, our, uh, our company leadership communicating in GIFs now too. It's hilarious. Nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but in terms of our design team, which use much more inter interesting tools, of course we use Axure. Um, uh, there was once upon a time where uh, I was actually known as quote unquote, the actor guy, much to the chagrin of the people who actually made actor because <laughs> uh, I've been a big advocate for actor for a long time, just because it enables easy prototyping and mm -hmm. prototyping is I, like I said before, you can get me talking a long time about prototyping, but that's, I would say probably the most important uh, tool in a designer's toolbox. And I will leave it at that because otherwise this will go forever. Um, we also have been using Sketch a lot more. Uh, and, uh, and, and That's Google's product, right? Google Sketch? Sketch? Uh, or... No, no, not, not SketchUp. This is, uh, uh, I think it's by Bohemian Coding. Um, but yeah, it's a sort of a, 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 well, it's not so new anymore, but it's, it's challenged Photoshop um, for UI design because it's both vector or it's primarily vector, but it can handle, uh, some bitmap stuff too. Um, but it's basically a, a tool designed for user interface and user experience designers. So it like actually does the stuff that we need it to do, not stuff that professional photographers need it to do. Gotcha. <laughs> um, right. and we use envision a lot and in combining sketch with envision has been really, really powerful. Um, we also use the optimal workshop tools, uh, like optimal sorts and tree jack <clears throat> to help with some of our uh, content and information architecture research. Um, uh, one of the other things that I have communicated to the, to the team is that I want, I want us all to know Axure. We should all have that baseline, but I want you to also go and find some other prototyping tool and, and learn that. I, I don't care what one that is, but um, all of our designers need to be fluent in interactive prototyping in some way, shape, or form. And Axure is really good for a lot of things, but when it comes to prototyping native mobile stuff, um, it can do it, but there are tools that can do it better uh, and that actually make uh, uh, an actual app that gets installed on an actual device. Um, so things like Pixate, um, Principle, and Origami, those are the, the three main ones that people are playing with these days. Are also... Uh, now, Framer.js doesn't do what I just said, but people are also uh, playing with that. Um, yeah, we're, uh, exploration is one of the things that I personally value very much. And so I've, I've told people to go out and use cool stuff and mm. tell me what it's like. Is this something that our whole team needs to, be, needs to use? If so, that's evolution. So, uh, Well, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you think would be of value? I can talk Shit. more about prototyping. Uh, well, okay. So I'm, I'm going I'm to put it on here. Will you commit to coming back and talking about prototyping? I would love to do that. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll catch you next time. All right. Thanks, Gario.